It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can also call into the show and you can call in at 405-362-7128. Leave a voicemail and you'll get on the episode. We have one today. The rest of the voicemails that have been left have been about the offseason. So we'll talk about that in the future. But again, your number to call 405-362-7128 to get your opinions, your questions, your concerns on to the podcast. And this is the preview episode for game seven for the biggest game of this season and for possibly the final meaningful basketball game that Oklahoma City will play for a couple of years. In Oklahoma City, we've been just blessed basketball-wise for just everything this franchise has done since they moved here. I mean, you have one losing season that first year here, but it's exciting, it's new, uh, it doesn't really matter, no one really cares that you're losing, and you still, at that time, had a young Kevin Durant, you had Russell Westbrook, James Harden's coming down the line the next season. Uh, things were trending upwards from the very beginning, and you never look back. From, from year two on, you never look back. Obviously, there was a year in there where you missed postseason because of injuries, but still, that's a postseason roster. That's a postseason talent. You shouldn't miss playoffs that year, uh, but no one can control when these guys get hurt. So every single year since that first year, they've had a competitive squad on the team. They've had a competitive squad playing at the Ford Center, Chesapeake Energy Arena, whatever you refer to it as. Uh, there's been competitive basketball in Oklahoma City. For the first time, uh, that's really in question uh, about if they'll just upright tank after this season. Again, when Damian Lillard hit that shot over Paul George last year to send the Thunder home, uh, it wasn't an instant, okay, they're going to tank now. It, it, it wasn't that. No one thought that this team was going to blow it up immediately. No one thought that. Tonight, if the final buzzer sounds and the Thunder on the wrong side of the scoreboard, everyone's immediate thought is going to be, this was a fun season, but now it's time to tank for the first time since Oklahoma City moved, you know, since Oklahoma City became a team here and moved here from Seattle. So this is a big game. Again, this could be the last meaningful basketball you see Oklahoma City play for a couple of years. 
and a lot is on the line. For Oklahoma City, this is already the furthest you've gotten in an NBA postseason without Kevin Durant on the roster. You've never faced a Game 7 in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. You've never faced a game in which you could send somebody home without Kevin Durant in the playoffs. So that's a huge accomplishment in itself, considering the expectations of this team. Making the postseason was an unbelievable accomplishment in itself because not that this roster doesn't have talent, it's because that they played so well since, since Thanksgiving. They've been one of the best teams in basketball since Thanksgiving, that you convince Sam Presti not to sell at the deadline. And he almost trades Gallinari, but Pat Riley has that deal fall through, wouldn't give Gallinari the extension he wanted, uh, and he keeps this team together. And you finish with the same record as the four seed, you lose out with some wacky tiebreakers, and you're the five seed. You were a coin toss away from having home court, although home court does not matter this year. What this team has done has already been incredible, but when you put it into perspective that For the first time since Kevin Durant left, they have the opportunity to send somebody home and that they will play a Game 7 and get past Game 6 for the first time since Kevin Durant left. And that also means, of course, that they have not gotten out of that first round since Kevin Durant left in 2016. So the Thunder are also looking to do do that with a win today. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Game 7. I would just encourage you to soak it all in. I understand this season is house money. It, It is. And no one will feel utter dejection if they lose this game tonight. Nobody should. Nobody will. You will not have that same pain that you had watching Damian Lillard wave you off the floor. You will not have that same pain that you had watching Paul George fail over and over again. Game six in Utah. You won't. You won't feel that. But I would encourage you to live and die with every possession of this game. Live and die good and bad, with every possession, overreact to every play in this game. Because I promise you, you're going to miss winning basketball when it's gone. You're going to miss meaningful basketball when it's gone. And with Sam Presti at the helm, with Shea, with Baisley, with Dort, with 15 future first-round picks, it's not going to be gone for long. But it's going to go away for a while if you lose this game. So embrace this game. Live this game in the moment. And I want to see so many overreactions on Twitter. uh, It'll just make my heart happy because that means that you're truly embracing this team and embracing uh, some level of expectations and and just trying to feel winning basketball one last time before the Thunder enter the tank for at least a couple of years. So go into this game knowing you're going to overreact and have jitters from start to finish. I know I'll be doing that, and you can follow along on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Uh, another game overview note for this game is that Russell Westbrook is on a self-proclaimed minutes restriction. Again, I record these post-game shows right after the game ends. That way, it's all the emotions of game six or whatever game we're recapping directly bunched up in a podcast immediately what you're feeling after that game. Although, you do miss things that way by not waiting until the, the press conferences are over and We missed that Russell Westbrook announced himself he would be on a minutes restriction. I don't know how that works exactly. I have a working theory that maybe this is the Rockets and Westbrook starting to pull out of him playing in Game 7, although we didn't hear anything else about this today, uh, you know, being uh, Tuesday. Maybe this morning on Wednesday we hear that he's sore, had a setback or whatever, and is not going to play in Game 7. But the reason I say that 
I don't know how you can have a minutes restriction in Game 7. I don't know how you tell Russell Westbrook in big moments of this game, oh, you know what? I know it's a two-point game. I know that you know the Thunder uh, interior defense has been shaky at best this game. I know you could help us a lot. Sit on the bench. You're at the 21-minute mark. That was all we were going to give you with that quad injury. Just sit there. I don't know how you keep Russell Westbrook off the floor. I don't know how he stays on the bench. I don't know how this is an agreed-upon arrangement for him to be on a minutes restriction heading into a win-or-go-home game. As I've said all along, this game, losing this game, feels a lot worse for Houston. Heads will roll if Houston loses. Now, the question is to what extent, because Houston is locked into this roster, they can't really change much about it. They can change the coach, but... If you do change the coach, what play style can you change to fit James Harden? I don't, I don't think that it's a it's a play style thing with Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. I just think that you've structured your roster around two guys who are going to be on the wrong side of thirty. One of which in Russell Westbrook, who relies on explosiveness, and, and James Harden will have no issue aging in this NBA. But still, uh, I think it's a roster construction problem more so than a Mike D'Antoni problem. But someone has to get changed, and this roster certainly cannot be changed. So. You're going to change the coach, especially if you lose this game. Especially if you lose this game. Because you also can't take in Houston, by the way, because you can't tank in Houston because Oklahoma City owns your picks. Two first-round picks, two pick swaps. You can't tank if you're Houston. You just can't. All you'd be doing is helping Oklahoma City out who you gave Chris Paul to, who would at that point have eliminated you from the postseason. Simple as that. So Houston has to win this game. Oklahoma City technically has to win this game if they want to stay alive, but I'm talking from a standpoint of their franchise, their fan base, what this what this current roster feels like, the expectations for next year, the future outlook. Houston has to win this game. They just have to. All the pressure is on Houston to win this game because if Oklahoma City loses this game, if they lose this game, you're going to sit back Tip your cap to Oklahoma City, applaud their effort, and move forward with Shea, with Baisley, with Dort, with 15 future first-round picks, with Cade Cunningham or whoever you draft next year. You're going to move forward, and you're going to be very, very happy. If Houston loses this first round, they're not only a, a mockery and a laughingstock this season, but they have no direction. They have no hope. There is no hope for Houston if they lose this series. Whereas either way you go here, if Oklahoma City wins or they lose – Oklahoma City has a ton of hope for the future. You can't say the same about Houston. So how can you tell Russell Westbrook not to play? How can you tell Russell Westbrook, you're on a minutes restriction, if you get to 21 minutes, if you get to 25 minutes, if you get to 30 minutes, whatever it is, you're no longer playing, no matter what's happening in the game. I don't see how that's going to work. I just don't see how that's even a rational thing. So... One of the only things in an irrational situation that makes sense to me is being even more irrational and saying maybe he just won't even play. Maybe this is a precursor and it's him setting himself up to say, I can't play in Game 7 because the Rockets know they're better right now without Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not only not 100%, but we saw how he hurt his team in the clutch time. And I think that that's really compounded by playing Oklahoma City. Uh, we, we've seen him ruin games for Oklahoma City in the clutch before, but I think that the problem gets compounded whenever he's looking across the, the aisle and seeing that Oklahoma City jersey and seeing what they've accomplished already uh, without him and how far they've gone without him, farther than they ever had with him without Kevin Durant. 
he wants to put an end to that narrative, to that to, to that talking point. He doesn't want to lose in the first round again, especially if that means at the expense of Oklahoma City going to the second round. He doesn't want to do that. So how can you tell him not to play? Uh, I don't think he's going to be on our minutes restriction. Uh, if I had a bet right now, he's going to play. He's going to play as many minutes as needed for him to try to win. So I don't even know why you know, he, he even said he was going to be on a minutes restriction. I don't understand why that even came out from him at the press conference. Although I will say in that press conference, he was very, I don't want to say dejected, uh, but this disattached from the press conference. He wasn't really paying attention to any questions being asked. He just kind of answered with, I don't know, same usual Russell Westbrook stuff in the post game. So who knows what he was trying to drive at with that minutes restriction, but I just want to point that out. And I don't understand how that will work in a game seven. Again, how can you, how can you as a ultra competitor an uber competitive person like Russell Westbrook, how can you sit on the bench? We just know he won't do that. He just won't. If he's needed in that game at the end of a game in a clutch situation, he's going to be on that floor. He's just going to be. Don't care what his minute says in the stat sheet. So I don't buy that he's on a minute restriction for one second. What you should buy is Built Bars, because Built Bars are a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Save $10 off your next order of Built Bars. Built Bars also now has six new flavors with a redesigned look and new recipe. Their six new flavors are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. Trust me, Built Bars are a fantastic protein bar. They taste just like a candy bar with that 100% real chocolate on the outside. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose weight, maintain weight, whatever you need to do while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars have low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. So go right now to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off that next order. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and call into the show. Leave a voicemail for the show, 405-362-7128. You can leave your questions, your takes, your opinions, whatever it is, uh, and, and you can leave them there at 405-362-7128. So let's continue to preview this game seven. Winner go home game for Oklahoma City and Houston. My biggest what to watch for is also the biggest key to the game, and, and that is to keep this game close. Can the Thunder keep this game close? In my opinion, we're looking at the same situation that we were in Game 6. 
before game six, I told you, the Thunder were, even, were either going to get blown out in this game, being game six, or they were going to keep it close and win. I feel the same way about game seven. They're either going to get blown out. I'm talking that this game is over at halftime. I could record the post-game show at halftime if I wanted to. Or they're going to win the basketball game. They're going to get blown out or they're going to win. If this game is close at any point in that fourth quarter, the Thunder win. And the Thunder move on to the second round for the first time uh, since Kevin Durant left. That would be incredible because in the clutch, Oklahoma City has been phenomenal all year long. The best clutch basketball team in the NBA. I'll take Chris Paul over James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Game 7s are low scoring. You saw the Nuggets win a Game 7 on Tuesday with 80 points. I don't think it'll be that low in this game, but you saw an elimination game in which the Rockets scored 100 points on on Game 6. I don't think it'll be 80 points low, but it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think. I would take the under. James Harden did not demand the ball in the clutch situation. And I think that game six is going to be indicative of game seven. If this game is close, what you got in the fourth quarter from Chris Paul, 15 points, five of seven shooting, three of three from beyond the arc, zero turnovers, is going to be what you're going to get in clutch situations. And what they got from Westbrook and Harden combined, now this is combined, Westbrook and Harden, 10 points, three of 11 shooting, one of four from three, three turnovers. Those are what each player is, Westbrook and Harden. That's what they are in the clutch situation. It's turnovers, it's missed shots. That's what it is for those two for those two guys in the clutch. And Chris Paul has proven to be clutch all year long in the postseason. I want to see this Game 7 so bad be close, be competitive, because I think that that gives Oklahoma City the huge edge. The huge advantage in this game is if they can show up and, and, and keep this game close. Time after time after time, Houston has been a disaster in clutch situations. That's dating back pre-Westbrook, and that's dating back to Game 6. And time and time again, Westbrook has been a disaster in the postseason, in a close game, in clutch time. Look, we love the guy. Jersey retirement. Statue. Never paying for a meal again in Oklahoma City. Legend. Best player of the franchise. Loyal. And whatever you want to say about Russell Westbrook, you can, you can put it in here now. I understand all of that. I agree with all of that. But we've also seen in this series and in really all of his playoff series in his whole career, he's not the most clutch guy. He's just not. And some guys have it and some guys don't. That's why you heard Chris Paul after the game saying some people are built for moments like these and others aren't. Now, I think that that was a shot at, at, uh, at James Harden, but it applies to both those guys. It really does. I know that we love and want to coddle and protect Russell Westbrook. We've done that here his whole career. P.J. Carlissimo got fired over wanting him to be a shooting guard and not playing him in the right role, not playing him that point guard role. That's part of why he got fired. They set the precedent early on that, that Russell Westbrook was going to be coddled here, and the fans have coddled him. We've coddled him. I've coddled him. But... If we take the, the, the blinders off, if we take off the Russell Westbrook-colored glasses, he's not a clutch player. And that's, that's not to say he does nothing well. He's a fantastic basketball player, top 15 guy. So is Paul George. They're just not clutch. 
I get it. The game winner to ice the triple-double in Denver. Regular season game. In the postseason, the wrap on, on Westbrook has been turnovers in the, in the clutch situation, jacking up threes, and missing shots. That's his clutch scenarios his whole career in the postseason. He does that again in Game 7. Oklahoma City moves on. That takes nothing away from what he did not He did in Oklahoma City. In fact, it adds to the legend of Westbrook in Oklahoma City. He's really put you in this scenario to begin with. Again, when Chris Paul picked up that technical foul in Game 6, I think every rational Thunder fan thought, this game is over. This game is over. Chris Paul's got a technical foul. Harden gets a free throw. They're going to control the game from here on out. It's over. A couple Westbrook turnovers, a jack three from Russell Westbrook. You win the game. That's the story of Russ in the clutch, and that's the story of James Harden in the clutch. Miss, missing good shot, good looks from three. Uh, he does not demand the ball in the clutch. Uh, we talk about Russell Westbrook. That was a bad turnover. I will say... James Harden certainly was not anywhere near the basketball. He certainly did not want and demand the basketball. He certainly was not frustrated that the ball was in Westbrook's hands. He certainly did not command the ball up the floor. Look, at the end of the day, Westbrook can't be 100% right now. And even if he was 100%, he's not the guy I want with the ball in his hands at the end of a game. I want it in the hands of James Harden, who can have really five true outcomes of this possession most of which are good. He can create a shot for himself. He can get a wide open three. He can make a contested three. He can, you know, again, create with a step back. He can get fouled and get put to the line for doing absolutely nothing without the defense even touching him. He can get a foul call. There's so many positive things that Harden can do with the ball in his hands. Why didn't he bring the ball to the floor? Why didn't he have the ball that entire possession? Why did Westbrook even get put in a position to have the turnover? That speaks to who James Harden is and who he is in the clutch time, and that's a guy that shrinks. Chris Paul stands up. Chris Paul, one of the clutchest players there are this season. So, to me, it boils down to can the Thunder keep this close? Biggest what to watch for, biggest key to the game. On the other side, we're going to talk about how the refs will officiate this game and what else the Thunder have to do to try to come away with a win in Game 7 and move on for the first time since Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. We're talking about Game 7. We're previewing Game 7. And let's talk about what the Thunder need to have happen here. Uh, and, and to me, the biggest thing is Shea and Dennis. 
you feel like you've gotten Gallo back. He's more of a of a rhythm guy, and he got that rhythm back in Game 6. I would assume that you're going to have that carry over to Game 7 now that he's back to making shots. But to me, outside of Chris Paul and the clutch, outside of keeping this game close, the way you do that, the way you keep this game close, is Shea and Dennis being aggressive and taking over this game. And that's not Dennis jacking up shots from five steps beyond the three-point line. That's Dennis getting to the basket. That's Dennis getting getting layups and, and, and uh, taking jumpers at, at the elbow, things like that. It's not taking a bunch of threes from well beyond the arc. If he's open, shoot it, of course, but he does not need to force three-pointers the way he did at some points this series. And for Shea, he has to be aggressive. He has to put it all together for one game. One game, Shea needs to put all of this together, all that we've seen all season long where he played a complete season of being your leading scorer, of being one of your best offensive options, of one of your best players on this team that's littered with some veterans like Chris Paul and Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams, one of your best players. He needs to put it all together. In this series, we've seen multiple flashes from him. We had that game in which he was the, he was the lead story. He was the cornerstone. That was in the episode title. That's how good he played. He made the episode title. We need him to put it all together for this game. I need to see it. Game seven. I hope that Shea is aggressive. I hope that Shea goes to the rim. I hope that Shea gets his shot because there hasn't been much in the middle for Shea. There really hasn't. He's either looked like the building block and looked like the cornerstone of your franchise, or he's looked shell-shocked. And game seven, no matter if he goes out there and scores 30 points where he goes out there and scores two, means nothing for the future. Shea is still your guy. Shea is still, at worst, your second-best player when this team hopes to lift a Larry O'Brien trophy uh, in Oklahoma City. At worst, he's your second guy. But for this game, speaking only in this season, what you need from Shea is for him to put it all together and to have a great Game 7. That's how you keep it close. It's just how it's going to have to be for the Thunder winning this game. Him and Gallo cannot combine for five points the way they did in that Game 5 loss. Dennis has to use his speed, his quickness, and his first step to get past Houston, get to the rim, and put pressure on that Houston defense. And pressure is a big word for Houston. All of the pressure is on to Houston. And their role players. Look, Last game, they had some open shots that they missed. And I think that they're feeling the pressure now of, okay, we've we've controlled this series twice, really. You go up 2-0, you should be in control, in control of this series. You win game five, in which the winner of game five wins the series 82% of the time, uh, and you're in the bubble, and maybe this team doesn't have any fight left in them. You get to a scenario in game six where you can put the Thunder away, and you don't. You blow it. And again, the two the two polar opposite sides here of the Thunder being rewarded and the Thunder being praised no matter what happens. They're going to get praised if they lose. They're going to get even more praise if they win. And the Rockets either getting nothing, because if they win this series, nobody's going to be uh, vaunting their effort and no one's going to be uh, congratulating them and saying, wow, what, what a great story. If they win, no one's going to pick them to beat the Lakers. Nothing happens for them if they win. Other than saving the embarrassment of losing. 
Because if they lose, that's your lead story on First Take or all these other hot take shows that don't really matter anymore in 2020. Uh, but, but that's the national narrative. If you lose, it's about trying to figure out a way to blow this up, trying to uh, you know point fingers at who's the loss, you know, who the loss was on, how terrible the trade was for Russell Westbrook. That's the narrative fire Mike D'Antoni. That's the narrative if you lose this series. If you win this series in Game 7, if you're Houston, you get nothing. No praise, no good job, not even a pat on the back if you win this series. That puts a lot of pressure on them because you want to avoid that embarrassment of losing to Oklahoma City in Game 7. You just do. My other what to watch for, uh, and what I think could be the most important what to watch for, is how the refs officiate Game 7. Typically, Game 7s get to play fast and loose. You saw a couple of uh, foul calls uh, in the Denver-Utah Game 7 in which I think 9 times out of 10 is going to be called, especially inside the bubble where we've seen the refs have a quick whistle inside the bubble. But they understand it's Game 7, and they let them get away with it. Are the Thunder and the Rockets going to be extended that same courtesy? Specifically, the Lou Dorton-Harden matchup. Will Harden be able to flop his way to the free throw line, or will they finally give some respect to Lou Dort, who has shown you he's not fouling. He's playing fantastic defense and freshening the hell out of James Harden. Which is it going to be in this, in this game? If Lou Dort picks up three fouls in the first quarter again, I'm not sure if you're able to overcome that. If you're able to overco- overcome Terrence Ferguson minutes, I'm just not sure in a game seven. Are you going to give Harden those flops? Are you going to give anyone flops on either side? Chris Paul, same thing. How is the officiating going to go in game seven? That's to me the biggest what to watch for, especially in that Lou Dort matchup with James Harden. Because we know that when the pressure gets turned on to James Harden, all he's going to try to do is look for bailout calls. He's going to hook your arm. He's going to lean into you. He's going to elbow you in the ribs. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to get the call. He's going to flop around like a fish on the hardwood after throwing up a circus Soleil layup. It's just what he's going to do. Are the refs going to give him that call in a game seven? Giving him that call uh, the rest of the time is one thing, but in a winner go home game, the pressure is on the refs to swallow the whistle. Are they going to do it? Or... Are we going to see the same officiating we've seen all, all series long uh, and all season long for Houston and James Harden for his whole career? The pressure is on Houston, especially if they do not get the foul calls that Harden will want because then he'll start complaining and get out of sorts. We know Westbrook will be out of sorts, and we know that these role players have a lot of pressure on them. I want to see Darius Baisley play all of Noel, Noel's minutes. I don't want to see them on the floor together. I want to see Baisley straight up be your backup center. Billy Donovan has to go small in this matchup. Baisley has shown you he can out-rebound your traditional bigs uh, against this Houston lineup. He just can. He can play center. And when he gets a rebound, unlike Noel, he doesn't panic with the basketball. He doesn't look like a deer in headlights whenever he grabs a rebound and start throwing the ball over the floor, start dribbling whenever he can't dribble to save his life. Baisley is composed. He's calm. He can run the floor. He has great ball handling. He has great passing abilities. He has great playmaking abilities. He has great driving abilities. He can pop a three-pointer in your mouth. He can do a lot of things. Terrius Baisley can do a lot of things. He needs to play every single minute you were going to give to Noel. Well. He needs to play at that backup five spot, and you need to have a small lineup on the floor. You just do. You just do. Darius Baisley has to play more. He has to play that backup five spot, like I've said since the previews. Literally in every preview, I said, this is going to be the X factor. It's going to be if, if Billy Donovan plays Baisley at the five. Billy Donovan, here's your chance. This is a winner go home game. Here's your chance to play Baisley at the five. It's right there for the taking. We've seen that it works. Are you going to go small as we've seen 
that it can work and will work against Houston. And then the offense starting fast is going to be your first key to the game. And we'll have the keys of the game after this voicemail. But I do want to play a voicemail for you, the first voicemail in the show's history because it's the first one that's actually about the upcoming, you know, the current season. Other voicemails have been called in, but they're all about the off season. We'll get to those once the season ends. So again, your number to call if you want to leave a voicemail of your own, 405-362-7128. But let's play that right now. Hey, this is D-Walk down here in Frisco, Texas. And after watching game six and really this whole series, just got to say Lou Dort is the most physical specimen defender that has ever worn a Thunder uniform. And pairing him with Bays and SGA and our 15 draft picks, uh, it's really exciting going forward. I don't even care what happens in game seven. I'm just laughing my head off that we're even in this game and that all the pressure in the world is on Houston. It's a beautiful thing to see. So thunder up. Let's go see what happens in game seven. That's a great first call for the show. I think that that really encapsulates all the Thunder fan base right now. The pressure is on Houston, and as he said, and as I've said this entire series, if Oklahoma City loses the series, every Thunder fan applauds them, moves on, and enjoys what this season was for what it was. If the Rockets lose this series, that fan base is going to have a, a meltdown of dramatic proportions. Uh, as for the Lou Dort comment, you know, this this franchise has seen a lot of good defenders. Thabo Cephalosha comes to mind. Andre Robertson as Pete comes to mind. Uh, uh, Serge Ibaka comes to mind. Uh, they've had a lot of good defenders in this, in this organization. Uh, I will give you the credit of saying uh, I, I do agree that it's obvious with Lou Dort. Now, if you're a true diehard basketball fan, it was obvious with Andre. It was obvious with Thabo. It was obvious with Ibaka, especially with the block numbers. That, but that's an, also an easy teller. Uh, of if a guy can play defense or not for the casual fan, although the blocks do not mean anything, uh, and it's not the only thing that matter, as we've seen with the numbers as well. Uh, but I will say that if you've at least seen one basketball game in your life, you can watch one Lou Dort game and say, wow, that guy's really good at defense. That guy is really good at defense. You don't need to know the X's and O's. You don't need to know uh, the defensive strategies. You don't need to know how a, you know, a switch concept or anything like that. You just know that guy can flat out play defense. And he's physical without fouling, which is so impressive for a rookie. Are you kidding me? That is a rare, rare mix. In my opinion, if he got to play more as a rookie, again, he didn't start playing until after Christmas. If he got to play more as a rookie, we would be talking about how, how historic this rookie year is even more so. I can't think of a rookie who's been able to come into the league and made this much of a, defense, a defensive impact without that learning curve of just shaking your head fouls. Just what are you doing, Rook? You can't get that foul call there. Again, he plays most of this series in foul trouble due to James Harden and never fouls out. Harden cannot get him to foul out. No bailout call from Harden can get Lou Dort out of this game because Dort does not leave himself susceptible to those bailout calls a lot of the times, especially late in games. So Lou Dort has been phenomenal. Uh, again, credit to everyone else who's who's worn a Thunder jersey and been a great defender, but I will agree not only is it extremely obvious to even the most casual of casual basketball fans. But he is aggressive. I think that I think it's fair to say he's the most aggressive Thunder defender that there has ever been. Aggressive, that is. Uh, you know, best Thunder defender, I'd, I'd probably give it to him, especially because I think that, uh, look, he's only, he's only a rookie, and I've said on this podcast he can be the greatest defender we've ever seen in the NBA history, much less the Thunder history. Uh, although I know that people still love Andre. Andre was fantastic defensively. But, again, he's doing this as a rookie, Lou Dort is. I think that he can be 
one of the best defenders to ever play this game. I think it can be uh, a debate of Lou Dort or Dennis Rodman, the same way uh, to a lesser extent that you debate uh, LeBron or Jordan. I think that diehard basketball fans will have that conversation. So let's get the keys to the game in and the bet of the day in before we wrap this show up and get ready for game seven tonight. It's going to be so fun to watch this game. But number one key to the game, as I've mentioned, is to keep this game close. You've got to keep this game close with the Rockets because the Rockets are going to fail in the clutch. They're just going to. So keep the game close and you win. If this game is tied, the Thunder are winning by a small margin, the Rockets are winning by less than 10 points in the fourth quarter, I feel comfortable with Oklahoma City. Just by the way that these two teams have played in the clutch situation all season long and all series long. The Rockets have had the same amount of times to close out Oklahoma City, put the, put the nail in the coffin of Oklahoma City in the clutch as Oklahoma City has, vice versa, and the Thunder step up and the Rockets don't. The Thunder always dig themselves out of whatever hole they put themselves into while the Rockets just stand idly by. Keep this game close. You win game seven and you move on to the second round. We have a second round to cover for the first time since Kevin Durant left in 2016. That's unbelievable if they can pull this off tonight in game seven. CP3 has to be aggressive and selfish in this game. And I do not say selfish is a bad thing. A lot of the times people look at that word as as a a bad word. Uh, To me, uh, for CP3, it's a good thing. I call for the same thing before game six. Look, I understand that Chris Paul is the point guard. I understand that he is one of the best facilitators our generation has ever seen. But as we saw at the end of game six, sometimes you got to be selfish. Sometimes you got to go get yours. And Chris Paul did that in game six. He's got to do that again and carry this team again in game seven. And I think he has plenty left in the tank, especially going up against Houston. You, you saw how energetic he was after game six. That, to me, you know, juxtaposed to Westbrook seeming dejected and Westbrook disconnected in the post in, in the postgame presser, you know, to the likes of which we've never he wasn't even being rude to anyone. He simply wasn't paying attention. It's not next questioning Barry Trammell. It's not saying stupid question uh, or what are you talking about, man? It's none of that. He just wasn't even paying attention to the questions at all. He seemed dejected. James Harden seemed dejected. You've seen James Harden punching hand sanitizers in this series. Chris Paul, after that game, was excited, screaming, you know, we've got a chance. That's all we needed was a chance. We just wanted one chance to compete. We've got our chance, Gallo. We've got our chance. And just screaming that, going to the locker room. He's got his chance. So be aggressive. Be selfish. Carry this team over the finish line. To me, the finish line is getting out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. Because if we can all agree that after this season, the Thunder are going to tank, which I think that they will, which we'll talk about in depth coming up here in in a couple of weeks, when the postseason is over, whenever the postseason ends, we'll talk about it in depth. If we think that this season's going to end uh, and the Thunder will start to sell off pieces and tank, you don't want that 2016 moniker on, on your label the next time you get to the postseason. Not that it will matter, but it'll be nice to get that off of there. So we, we, look, at, we look at this Game 7. Here's your chance, Chris Paul. Here's your chance, guys. I mean, they talked about it. They only wanted a chance. They just wanted one chance, and they've got it now. And can Chris Paul be aggressive? Can he keep this team in the game? And can he be clutch one more time? Does his, does his back have enough to carry them over the finish line yet again? And then number three is push the pace. Said it before the series. Said it during the series. I'm going to say it one more time in this series. The Thunder are going to win this series 
if they push the pace. That's the way you beat Houston. It's not jacking up threes by pushing the pace. It's simply moving up tempo with your motion offense and getting to the rim and attacking early in the shot clock. You cannot sit around idly by waiting and dribbling the clock out and dumping it down low to Steven Adams. You just can't do that. You just can't. That's not going to win you the series. You've got to push the pace. I want to see the Thunder playing fast, and I think that we're going to see the Thunder playing loose because, yes, this is a game seven. It's a big spot. It's a winner-go-home situation. They just were in this situation. Your young guys, Dort, Baisley, and Shea, were in this spot in game six. That was winner-go-home for them. And that was one of your best lineups you could put on the floor was all those young guys together. They've stepped up to the call. I want to see Shea put it together offensively in this game. But other than that, they've been here before now. They've experienced it, winner-go-home. It's game seven. You can play loose because the pressure is totally on Houston to win this series. I'm not going to say that the Thunder are thinking this in their own locker room because they're a bunch of competitors, but I think that they know. You know this, this series means way more for Houston's future than Oklahoma City's future, but they still want to win this series. I mean, Chris Paul and Shea and Gallo have talked about wanting to win the NBA Finals, so they want to win the series, certainly, but it's just human nature to understand that you don't have the pressure on you that Houston does. You just got to go out there and play your style of basketball. That gets said before every game seven for each team, but for the Thunder, it's especially true. Just go play your basketball and see what happens. Play your style, but put it up tempo and push the pace. And now it's time for the bet of the day. The line right now, courtesy of our friends over at the Action Network, is Rockets minus five and a half. I'm going to bet Thunder plus five and a half. Five and a half was the spread coming into game six. I bet on the Thunder. I'm going to do it again. Plus five and a half for Oklahoma City. I said before the series in every series preview, Thunder and seven, Thunder and seven, Thunder and seven. I said it at dailythunder.com, Thunder and seven. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to hedge. I'm not going to give myself the out. I'm going to go all in. I want to be irrational today. I want to embrace what could be the final day of meaningful basketball in Oklahoma City for a long time. Give me Thunder plus five and a half to win game seven, to move on, and to go to the second round for the first time since 2016. I just cannot wait for this game, but I think that it will be well worth the wait. The money ball bet of the day, this is going to be who leads the Thunder in three-pointers. I'm taking Chris Paul. The Thunder win behind Chris Paul in his clutch play. He got you three threes in the fourth quarter. I think that he gets you three or four threes again to lead the team in the money ball category. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. After the game, let me know your thoughts on Game 7. No matter if the Thunder won or lost, let me know your thoughts on how you're feeling after Game 7. Once again, that's 405-362-7128. This has been fun. I mean, we had yet another historic day yesterday as the Thunder forced a Game 7. That episode was crazy in the first 24 hours of it being up. I cannot thank you all enough for listening to that episode and sharing and everything that you've done with that episode. Historic week last week. We're building on that again this week. Again, that's all attributed to you. Since I've taken over in May, we've grown and grown and grown each month. We're continuing that trend again this month already on September 2nd. So I appreciate that a ton. Again, follow me on Twitter, call into the show, and interact over there. If you do not want to call in or have Twitter, email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Be good and be good to one another. And let's see what happens in Game 7.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.